Hello. Today is Friday, October 13th. Oh my gosh, it's Friday the 13th. Uh, that's a little spooky and in October. Okay. Welcome to episode 261 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, NSI Deputy Executive Director, and you've got me back on Friday. I was gone all week. My mom was in town, but I'm here today, and I'm joined by two of NSI's senior fellows, our usual and awesome co-host, Morgan Vigna, and our special guest, uh, who's been quite popular this week, Andy Kaiser. Today, we're talking about Finland. Earlier this week, um, our Northern European friend, also neighbor to Russia, and as of April this year, a member of NATO reported that a 77-kilometer-long gas pipeline that links Finland and Estonia who's another member of NATO, suffered a leak after a, quote, unusual drop in pressure. At the same time, a Finnish telecoms operator reported it had detected a malfunction on an undersea cable it uses to verify uh, communication connections. So at first, uh, senior Finnish, official, Finnish officials said the damage was caused by, quote, external activity. You know, that, of course, raised concerns across the continent about, you know, Europe's energy infrastructure. And as you guys remember, we talk here a lot about, we talk a lot about energy security and the spillover effects of you know, prices um, and especially as we head into the winter. Uh, now, just yesterday, Finland's intelligence services said that a, quote, state actor could have perpetrated the damage to the gas pipeline. Um, both Helsinki and Estonia are collaborating and investigating. And uh, while Finnish officials did not speculate who might be involved in the attack, um, news reports do indicate that unnamed government sources suspected Russia of being behind the attack. And Finnish security intelligence service on Thursday said that Russia is currently treating Finland as a hostile country. NATO defense ministers met yesterday to discuss amongst many things the pipeline. And NATO had previously said that if the damage turned out to be the result of an attack, a quote, united and determined response would be forthcoming. Okay, so Morgan, my first question is to you. Do you think this was Russia? And if so, I mean, was this a smart thing for them to do? Now, Russia's fingerprints are, are all over this one. Obviously, there's going to be an investigation but you know, if it is determined that Russia is the culprit, um, this may very well be a very calculated and strategic approach by Moscow um, to to launch sort of aggression against NATO allies, particularly um, when uh, European allies in, in the United States are, are distracted by the events going on um, in, in Israel. Um, so this this could be a very opportunistic Putin just really trying to take advantage of um, uh, just a lot of a, a lot of world events right now and really trying to sort of level a blow against uh, NATO, a new NATO ally. Yeah. Andy, what do you think? And can you tell us a little more about the pipeline? Like we don't talk that much about on the show about Finland and Estonia. Like how important is this? These under, you know, underwater cables as well. Yeah, we're certainly aware of the, their significance for obviously for energy, uh, but the undersea cable issue for communications, how important that is to everything from our economic prowess to our military and intelligence communications. So uh, we know that these, these are important uh, vulnerabilities we have uh, globally. The Russians, of course, are well aware of this, but U.S. intelligence has been monitoring closely these undersea pipelines and cables uh, since the invasion of Ukraine to keep a close eye uh, on those and, and you know, to, uh, you know, jump in if there's if there's any issues. That's kind of where we are now. As you mentioned, we do have two NATO allies here. So pretty, pretty significant uh, event. 
Um, you know, Putin probably can get away with a high impact, low cost uh, type attack here um, because he will keep it in this sort of gray zone of non-attribution where everybody will know he did it and, and no one will take credit or responsibility for it. And I'm not certain how the, the, the NATO collective will will respond. I can't imagine some type of kinetic response. Uh, maybe some strongly worded letters will be <laughs> I mean, I'm a lawyer, but trade strongly written letters. Those are scary, Andy, right? No? Um, so we know energy can obviously be used against Europe. Russia's tried to do that. We spent a lot of time talking about energy security before, you know, last year's winter. Um, I haven't seen as many articles on that this year. I mean, do we think Europe is better prepared? Are they just hoping for a warmer winter like they had last year? Or do we think there might be some serious concerns as the months progress? Yeah, look, I think um, Europe has really sort of had to learn some really hard and fast lessons um, from the initial start in the war on Ukraine and has really sort of built up um, various energy contingencies. This is out of necessity. The war in Ukraine isn't going to end anytime soon. And with the current trajectory, um, I think we can expect um, Russia to to really um, le- leverage some pretty, pretty big blows against um, Europe's energy security. So I, I see this as, quite frankly, just I predict more of the same in this space, but I, I do think Europe needs to um, further diversify its, its energy resources and um, figure out a more sustainable solution than Russian than dependence on Russian energy. You know, that, that's a great point, Morgan. I am interested to see how the Finns themselves respond because they are tough SOBs. <laughs> They've been dealing with the Russians for hundreds of years. They, you know, after the fall of the Cold War, when a, a lot of European nations, including countries like Norway nearby, sort of demilitarized, took that peace dividend. The Finns, though they didn't join NATO, they they kept a very strong military, a very strong capacity to defend themselves. Uh, they're very into sort of resilience and, um, you know, protecting themselves, um, not waiting for somebody else to come and save them. So I'm interested to see how the Finns specifically respond. Likewise, Estonia is on the front lines. And I mean, we talk a lot about their um, like cyber resiliency and a lot of countries look to them to lead the way. Um, speaking of the NATO defense ministers meeting, um, another topic they were talking about last week, I mean, yesterday, was the holdouts by Turkey and Hungary when it comes to Sweden's membership. Um, as we talked about a bit on the show, Erdogan seems to have given up a lot of his opposition over the summer when it comes to Sweden joining. Um, there might have been some talks of trade dealing, but Hungary seems the holdout and doesn't seem really poised to move anytime soon. I think, you know, we don't see any movement there. What do you guys, do we think 2024 is going to be the year that Sweden is joining or, you know, what does Hungary need to drop its opposition? This is taking longer than it should. Both of those NATO allies, you mentioned, have been problematic in this ascension process, primarily over immigration. I'm actually wondering if the Israel-Hamas war will further complicate things, given Turkey's unhelpful relationship to Hamas. I'll just add on to that, Jess. I think, um, building off of Andy's point, we have seen from Erdogan in, in, in this past week has been nothing short of sheer disappointment in, in a NATO ally. I, I think the fact that Erdogan, as soon as the United States moved sailors into the Eastern Med, Erdogan questioned whether or not they would be, they would harm the Palestinian people. I mean, I think to, to levy some sort of, I think it's just absolutely ridiculous that we would have a NATO partner question such a thing. Um, we're supposed to be giving, at least we have an administration that is, is willing to give uh, Turkey F-16s. 
I think we should be carefully considering that decision. I also think I wonder if we should also take a look at our relationship with a pro-U.S. government in Greece and see what we can do to bolster them at this point. Well, thanks, guys. With that, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to our special guest, Andy Kaiser, and to Alex Toki, Claude Jennings, and the rest of the NSI team for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday, October 16th, for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. We're now on YouTube, so if you want to see what Andy looks like, please check us out there. And if you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 